All right, if you would, take your Bibles again and go to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter number 1. And we will be uh, bringing this chapter to a conclusion this evening. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 1. And we're going to begin here in just a moment in verses 24 down through verse 33. But I want to draw your attention to just one verse as we begin. And if you have a copy of the handout, you can follow along with this as well. But look at Proverbs 1, verse 31. Uh, The Bible says, Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. I want you to notice the emphasis on the word their own way and their own devices. Sometimes we get the misunderstanding that God will not allow us to choose our own way. And this is a text that shows us that God does, in fact, allow man to choose his own direction. We see here that there is a reference made not only to his own way, which may refer to his direction, but also to his own devices. Devices, it is another word for plans uh, or schemes. And in the context of what we've been dealing with here, We've been dealing with the call to wisdom, and we learned last week uh, that the call to wisdom is a call to the gospel, or it's a gospel call. In other words, wisdom is to come to Christ. And you'll notice there that as we're dealing with this, verse 31 shows us that there are very real consequences to rejecting the call to wisdom by God. In other words, if the call to wisdom is, goes unheeded and it goes uh, without being uh, received, uh, it is then in fact rejected. To reject God, or to reject wisdom rather, is to reject God. So if a man says, I don't desire wisdom, in fact what he's saying is, I don't desire God. So we learned that last week there a call has gone out. We looked at the phrase that told us that wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets, verse 20 told us. Verse 21 told us she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the opening of the gates. In other words, this gospel call or this call to wisdom was not being done privately, but it was being done where the people are. It was being done publicly so that man is left without any excuse. But if we were to summarize the first 23 verses of this particular proverb, we would clearly see that wisdom has been, has cried out in the streets. The voice has been heard. So the question we want to answer tonight is, what is the response? And before we even begin, I have kind of given you the answer. The voice of wisdom crying out was ignored. In other words, we would like to tell you that this chapter ends on a high note where we see that the people hear the voice and the call to wisdom and they, they all fall down on their faces before God and they say, God, uh, we accept and we, we desire what you are uh, offering us. But what these last verses show us is that there was no response. We might put it this way. Not a single head was turned. Not a single eye was lifted. The crowd went on as it had gone on before. They continued their own way of life. That's what verse 31 tells us there. 
They went their own way and they were filled with their own devices. In other words, it is as if a voice had never been spoken. It is to be completely ignored. So after this, uh, this crying out was ignored, we see in the end of this chapter in verses 24 through 33, there is another cry. But now it's not an invitation. Now the cry turns into words of wrath or a promise of punishment. To reject wisdom has the consequences of now you will receive the wrath of God. Now, we never talk about the wrath of God in a way that we talk about as if we, we would love to see people under God's wrath. I hope that's never our attitude. We never want to have the attitude that it's all right, somebody's under the wrath of God, they deserved it, and so be it. They, they rejected God's call, they got what they deserved. I, I hope we never have that type of an attitude. It doesn't matter who we're dealing with, we should never desire anyone to be under the wrath of God. Now, you'll see in your outline there, I've really given you three, three big picture thoughts we're going to deal with tonight. And I'm going to quickly review these so we'll see where we're going. Number one, we're going to look at the reaction. The Bible tells us in verses 24 through 27 that the Lord will laugh at those who reject wisdom. Now, in the outset, that makes us say, well, why is God laughing? Well, this is not laughing in the way that we think about laughing. Uh, number two, we see the reason why this is all happening. The Lord will not listen to those who refuse wisdom. This is the reason the wrath of God is being poured out, because they've rejected and they've refused wisdom. And that's verses 28 through 31. And then the, end, the last two verses, 32 and 33, at the result, the Lord will lay aside those who resist wisdom. So we're thinking about the reality of these consequences of rejecting wisdom. Now, you'll notice where we're kind of reviewing verses 24 and 25. We covered these verses last week, but I want to use these verses again so we can re recall where we were. Notice he says in verse 24, because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have set it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. The sin was that instead of responding to God's call, instead of heeding his counsel, instead we see words like, you refused, you did not regard, you said it not. These phrases are things which bring judgment. If a man refuses God, he is bringing judgment on himself. A person that says, I reject or I will not heed the counsel of God is bringing judgment upon himself. Now, it could be that man is not outwardly rebellious, but indifference is the same as being hostile towards God. If, if a man hears the call of wisdom and says, listen, I don't care one way or the other. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to be angry at God. I'm not going to be mad that preachers are preaching, but I'm indifferent to it. That still brings the wrath of God. To, to just be indifferent is, no, is really, with, as far as judgment goes, is no different than being hostile towards God. So the idea here is there's still a rejection. He says, I have called and ye refused. God has called out in vain, we might say. 
He, he, he now says that there is this wrath to come, but it won't be because I did not reach out to you. Now, we see a, a couple of examples of this, and we're going to be going back and forth to the book of Isaiah and a couple other books. But if you'll turn to Isaiah 65, and I want you to look with me here. We'll look at Isaiah 65, look at the verse there, and then one in Isaiah 66. But Isaiah 65, 12, you'll notice that this is in reference, again, Isaiah's uh, prophesying about those who forsake God and the punishment that comes with rejecting him or refusing his call. Isaiah 65, 12 says, Therefore will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose, look where it says, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. In other words, instead, you chose to not listen to my call or to hear heed to my voice, but rather you decided to choose to do that which was not what I delighted in. And then one chapter over in Isaiah 66, 4, Isaiah 66, 4, the very last chapter of the book of Isaiah. Here is these consequences of rejecting him. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. Why do we look at these verses is because we see that this is the pattern of God. He calls and man is given the free will to choose whether or not he will heed to that call. So God today, we know, is calling. This call to wisdom goes out by uh, preachers. It goes out by other believers. His word calls out to people. His judgments cry out to people. And even remember that God stirs in people and God sparks the conscience so man has to make a decision. Am I going to heed to the call of God? If I don't, there are consequences for that. So we see back in our text that he says that I've called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no man regarded. The stretching out of the hands is a picture of a beseeching or begging. In other words, the hand is, is being extended. It's being offered as a, a means of escape. And in the proverb, it says that you uh, did not regard my hand. You, you disregard it. You ignored it. Verse 25, but ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. What's interesting is in the Proverbs, that is mentioned as setting at naught all my counsel. In the book of Luke, chapter number 7, we have a similar account with Jesus dealing with the Pharisees. And he uses similar terminology to describe what they were doing with his counsel. Luke 7, verse 30. Luke 7, verse 30. The Bible says about the Pharisees, it says, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves. 
being not baptized of him. Notice they rejected the counsel of God against themselves. In other words, to reject God is to bring wrath, to bring judgment upon yourself. Don't blame God for judgment. The wrath of God is on he or she who refuses God's counsel and would none of my reproof. In other words, God gives counsel as to how to do good and how to avoid evil. Now, back in Proverbs, again, as I mentioned, we'll be turning to a lot of different scriptures tonight. So if you can't get there, just mark them down. But back in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 15, with regard to this idea of the counsel of doing good, a very familiar proverb in Proverbs 4, 17, or 4, 15, rather, tells us this regarding evil, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. In other words, the Word of God gives us how we ought to walk. It teaches us how we ought to go, the direction we ought to go. So again, man is left without an excuse as to why he or she goes the direction that they're going. Proverbs 15, 32, he that refuseth instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Again, these are concepts that as we think about, this is how God deals with those who, who reject him, those who reject this call to wisdom. Now let's go back to Proverbs 1 and look at this next phrase here. Because you've call, I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You set it not or set aside all my counsel, I would and would not receive any of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock your I will mock when your fear cometh. Now this is what we would refer to as retribution. Retribution is a payment as a result of an act against God. Retribution is God acting against he or she that acts against him. So what we have happen, happening here is we have the appearance of God. It says, I will laugh at their calamity. Now, again, we have to understand this is not God finding pleasure or finding joy in a person who rejects him. What this is, is this is really God is going to do the same thing towards them that they did towards him. It's to, uh, the retribution is in kind. In other words, you mocked my counsel. You rejected my call. So now I'm going to, in retribution, do the same thing back to you. I am, I am going to uh, mock your calamity. I, you, you, you rejected all uh, that I have instructed. This is an awful picture. And notice it's described in verse 27, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Again, these are all the results of a man or a woman rejecting the call to wisdom. Again, there are other books and other chapters in the Bible that refer similar to this. Uh, you might on your own time read between Psalm 2 and Psalm, uh, Psalms 2, uh, down through verse 1 through verse 12. 
Uh, Psalms 2 is another picture of what's happening here in Proverbs. But now, those who laughed at God, those who mocked God, those who denied his appeals to come unto him, now he is going to do the same thing. He says, I will mock when your fear cometh. How you had delight in mocking me and rejecting me, now I'm going to do the very same thing that you have done. Verse 27 promises that when your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, uh, this idea of the distress and the anguish, uh, that's a feeling of fear it's, uh, and, and, and having a reason to be fearful because now I am no longer going to respond to you. That's the idea here. Over in chapter 10 of the Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 24 says this, The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Verse 25, as the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. So we have this wisdom being rejected ends in very serious consequences. These consequences are everlasting consequences. They're consequences that are not just temporal, they're eternal. What had happened? The appeal of God, the call of God, was rejected. We should never despise the calls of God. So that's the reaction. God reacts by laughing at those who reject wisdom. Number two, begin in verse 28 down through verse 31. We see the reason. The Lord will not listen to those who refuse wisdom. This is the reason why God is pouring out this wrath is because of what they have done. They've rejected this. Verses 28 through 31 show us a picture of a person who repents too late. A person who acknowledges their wrongdoing and it's too late to turn. Now, we might say today, when is it too late? And I would tell you tonight, uh, we have no way of knowing that. Someone might say the, the, it's too late when you die. Uh, there is biblical evidence to show us that there comes a point in time when man has used up all of his chances. Now, again, this gets, this gets into our, our situation of saying, okay, now wait a minute. If God's behind the choosing of his own, how is man responsible? And this is why you hear me say over and over again that the election of God does not negate the responsibility of man to respond to the call of God. In other words, we can't blame God that judgment is being poured out on us or being poured out on an individual. The call has gone out. But now it says that they will call upon me. Look what it says in verse 20. Because of the distress, because of the destruction, because of the anguish, because of the calamity, now suddenly, verse 28 shows us, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. You know the reality, when people get in enough trouble, when it gets bad enough, then they'll want God. And what the, what the Solomon is writing here, he's saying, listen, you're going to call, there's going to come a time when you're going to call on me and I will not answer. I, I will not, listen, now, 
There was an opportunity. You had an opportunity to, to, to respond to my call, but you didn't. So now when you actually do call for me, I will not notice you. Now, obviously, God is uh, he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Of course, he hears them, but he will not answer them. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Actions always have consequences. When we consider Galatians 6, 7, don't turn there. I've got it written down. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The principle of sowing and reaping is one that we often don't think about very often. But think about what that verse means. Think about what that principle means. Whatever a man sows or plants the seed of, that is what is going to come up. If the farmers ever get in the field, literally, if the farmers ever get in the field, something is going to come up. Now, I heard someone say today, we're almost getting too late for some of the crops. It's almost getting too late where it's going to be real iffy. But the idea is, is whatever that farmer puts in the ground, whatever that seed is, that's what's going to come up. So if a man sows a rejection of God, the consequences of the rejection of God is what is he is going to reap. That's the principle. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will reap the consequences of that. And that is true over every aspect of our lives. It is the, the unchangeable law of works. It is what we, what we sow, that's what we're going to get. But this is, this is, almost, this is scary. He says, you're, you're going to call upon me and I'm not going to answer you. Now you think about all the promises in God that who's, or the Bible that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But now he's saying, because you've rejected me, because you have refused me, now it's too late. I'm not going to respond to you anymore. The call of the wicked now is being rejected because the day of grace has now passed by. There is coming a day when the day of grace is going to come to an end. There will be people who at a later time, will attempt to call upon God, but it will be too late. Again, how God deals with men and how God deals with individuals, um, we don't know all the inner workings of that, but we do know this, that the Bible says, they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. We have verses all over the Bible that says, if you'll seek me, you shall find. But he's using a principle, there's coming a day when you will not be able to call on me anymore. Now, what do you think, why are they calling upon God? Because that's important here. Then shall they call upon me. Why are they, are they calling upon God because of their sin or are they calling upon God because of their calamity? The context is they're only calling on God because they want deliverance from trouble. That's not salvation. Salvation is not calling upon God because you're in trouble. Salvation is be, you're calling upon God because you know that you're a sinner. And there's a big difference in what's happening here. You see, the reality is, is uh, their cry here in our proverb is a cry for deliverance from the pain and from the calamity, not to be delivered from their sin. 
The Lord in John 7, we studied this on Sunday morning quite a a time ago, but in John 7, uh, Jesus is, is speaking again to the people and the Pharisees, and Jesus begins to speak in terminology very similar to this, that he's here, and there's coming a day when he will no longer be here, and they better call upon him while there is still light. John 7, verse 32 says this, The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, that's Christ, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Now, what he's telling them is, right now, I'm here. Call upon me now. But when I go, when I go unto him that sent me, when I go unto my Father, you're going to try to seek after me, and you're not going to find me. Where I am, he doesn't say, you may not be able to. He says, ye cannot come. Then verse 35, then said the Jews among themselves, whether will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go and under dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, ye shall seek me and shall not find me and where I am thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So even our Savior preached a principle here that there's coming a day when you will no longer be able to respond to the call, when you will no longer be able to find me. So it tells us back in our proverb that they will seek me early, but they shall not find me. Now, folks, odds are pretty good that when Solomon was writing this, he did not have Jesus Christ in mind. He he wasn't thinking particularly about Jesus, but the principle was here. The, The idea of even Jesus almost quoting what the Proverbs say, you shall seek me, but you shall not find me. We understand that, again, even in the Old Testament, even in the Proverbs, there is this principle of Jesus even himself is instructing and saying that there's coming a day when you're going to try to seek to enter in and you're not going to be able. That door is going to be closed. Again, we don't know when that day is. But the Bible tells us there is a day. Verse 29, back in Proverbs 1, gives us a further reason. The Bible tells us very carefully, for they, for that they hated knowledge, and watch this, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Today we see this word choose. Again, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. Those who did not choose to fear God are condemned just as much as those who hate God. So to say, I will not fear the Lord, not to choose, is the same as to dislike or to have a a, a, a no desire for. Listen, every person chooses their own destruction. In other words, if you end up under the wrath of God, it will be solely upon your shoulders. Paul 
or Luke rather, in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 46, he says this, ye judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. In other words, by your disbelief, you are showing yourself to be unworthy of everlasting life. Now, we all know we're unworthy of eternal life, but he's saying because of your rejection. So many, when the fear of the Lord is set before them, simply say, well, this isn't for me. This is for someone else. Again, we see this principle, verse 30. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Solomon's still given the reason why they're going to fall under the wrath of God. They despised, they rejected, they hated the word of God. They did not fear the word of God. And it brings us back to the verse we began with. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. We think about the sinner and we think about the rejecter of God. It is the sinner and his sin or her sin is its own punishment. To die in your sin is the punishment. That is the wrath of God. Isaiah says in Isaiah 3, 9, verses 11, and this is paraphrased, he says, Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. This is their reward. The reward of sin is death. Uh, think about this. We think about hell. Hell is not some arbitrary punishment. In other words, it's not like human penalties. If you break a law in our country, sometimes the, the penalty doesn't really make sense and match the crime. Hell is not arbitrary. Uh, hell is directly connected and is the necessity of sin. In other words, it is the only reasonable punishment for sin is hell. It is the fruit of that act. Again, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. A man who dies in their sins dies in their sins because they rejected the call of God. To reject the call of God is, just like we saw here, to be filled with their own devices. They shall eat of the fruit of their own way. In other words, they will eat what they have sown. They will reap that. That's, that's what's going to happen. We see in Psalm 78, verse 29, the Bible says this, they did eat and were well filled for he gave them their own desire. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them. In other words, God gave them over to themselves. He gave them over to their own desires and it appeared that they were well filled and it appeared that they were getting all that they needed, but yet the wrath of God came upon them because they had rejected God. Man's own desires will result in the worst of God's wrath. In other words, man gets what he asked for. It's a strange principle, but true. Now, how do, what, do, what do we do with this? What do we do with these words? Well, we simply take the word of God. We take them to heart. We don't try to make them easier or more palatable. We just listen to what's being said here. We see the principles here that to reject the call of God is to have very real consequences. 
And there's a reason, because man rejects it. So what is the final result? Verses 32 and 33 tell us this. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of the fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Look at that expression in verse 33. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. We know what the word whoso means. It's, it's the shortness for whosoever. In other words, whosoever listens unto me, heeds the call, will dwell safely. That's why we announce that call to every single person who will listen. The result is, as God lays aside those who resist wisdom, but he rewards those who hearken to him, who listen to him. You have a promise and a warning in verses 32 and 33. The simple shall slay them. The turning away is a turning away from God. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. In other words, the choice to reject God, this is the consequences. Verse 33, the choice to receive God or to hearken unto God, here's the consequences. You'll dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. So you see this illusion here. You see the simple turned, but they turned the wrong way. They turned away from God and towards themselves. They turned away from wisdom towards their own ways and their own devices. To turn away from wisdom that is sent of God is to turn toward your own destruction. Just like we started this series by saying, man makes a choice. There's one of two directions. You're either going to go the way of wisdom or you're going to go the way of wickedness. There are there's only two directions you can go in this life for temporal reasons and for eternal reasons. You're only going one of two ways. One way seeks life. One way results in death. To go the way of wickedness is to reject the call or to reject the wisdom of God. What causes the simple to be slain? Look what it says, the turning away of. It's as simple as that. To turn away from God is to bring destruction upon yourself. So they refuse. They refuse to listen. There's a verse in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 11 that says this, they refuse to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Numbers 14.43, ye are turned away from the Lord. So we see that those who turn away from God have a certain destruction. But the chapter ends on a positive note, so to speak. Again, with those who hearken unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear. Some would say, what does this include? Well, this includes not only will we be quiet from the fear of evil, that it gives us a, a clarity of our, in our mental state. Uh, we will be from the fear of evil in our spiritual state, but it also has even greater influence by the fact that it'll be an eternal safety. We don't have to worry about evil leading us away from God ever again. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, the call of wisdom shall dwell safely. The love that Christ has for us. The love that Christ and his promises. Think about the word of God. 
The word of God is not just all promises without some reproof. In other words, God corrects bad behavior. He gives a promise, but he also says, listen, you can't go this direction and expect to receive the good things of God. Many times people's lives are a mess is because they reject the reproofs of God. We like to say, no, I just, I got a bad deal. I was dealt a bad hand. No, the reality is sometimes that bad hand is the result of us not listening to the reproof of God. We know what the word of God says, but we reject his wisdom. Sometimes we see this. I've been, I've been doing a personal study through Psalm 73. And it's a, Psalm 73 is, is a powerful chapter. But the psalmist is writing and he's saying, it looks like the wicked are prospering. He says, he, he says I, I'm doing everything right, and it looks like they're winning. But he makes this statement, he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I knew their end. In other words, he said, once I got the proper perspective, I realized that the prosperity of the wicked is only temporary. That the only safety is to be found in heeding the call to God. That's the only place there is any safety. If Christ is our light, we'll never walk in darkness. If he is our wisdom, we'll never be in error. If he is our life, we shall never see death. If he is our good, we shall fear no evil. This chapter closes with a very clear promise of safety and rest to those who answer God's call to wisdom. Very simply, we are to heed God's call. To heed that call is to be in obedience. Again, we think about it. We ask ourselves the question, have I responded? Have I received? Have I accepted? Have I acknowledged God's call? To acknowledge God's call is to come to him for your full assurance, for your full certainty, to know that Christ is the only means of your salvation. Next week, we'll, look at, we'll begin looking at chapter number two and deal with the first nine verses. And we're going to deal with the principle of studying the word. It'll be a little bit practical. We'll talk about studying the word of God because we know that our wisdom comes from the word. And who gives the word? The Lord. The Lord gives the word, which means the word gives us wisdom. So we'll deal with that next week. Let's stand together.